Amen. Would you put up our confession, please? Let's stand on our feet. <clears throat> we don't do this every week, but I, I believe it's important. And I even, you said even Carney's doing this. Amen. You know it by heart? Do you? Got it? There we go. As we receive today's offering, we're believing the Lord for what? Jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, blessings and increase, new skills, witty inventions and ideas, wise investments, divine favor. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Look in your Bibles, please, to uh, Matthew chapter 20. And as you're turning there, I want to give you an announcement um, you know, some people say all churches want is, is money. You ever heard that? Oh, we don't want your money. We want your blood. We're going to have a blood drive. Um, the Red Cross, somebody ran into Kathy at Walmart and asked if they could use our church as a site. And this is um, June 18th. That's a Monday from 11 a.m. to 5. Now, I know some of you work and, and we can't help that. But their goal is 20 people. How many would be willing to give blood on June 18th from 11? Okay. Raise your hands. Kathy, are you giving blood or not? Quit visiting with her. One, two, three, four, five. You sure you should? Six, seven, eight, nine. Well, that's good. We got half that. And if, if somebody in the community, that will give us our 20. Amen. So it's between 11 a.m. and 5 and if you want to speed the process up, um, you can look at this. You can go online and, and probably give the information that they're looking for. So we appreciate that. They'll come with their big mobile thing, and you'll, you'll go into that and, and uh, sit down. And I've, I haven't had it done, and it's been many years. So I think they'll take my blood. Amen. We are talking about an important subject because we're talking about this church. Amen. You know, believers are always talking about other believers, about each other. But we need to talk about our church. I believe this is a good church. It's not a big church, but it's a good church. It's an effective church. It, it you know, look at the things that we've done through the years. And so we're, we're sharing with you um, our, our mission statement that's on, on the board out there. And Harvest Church is a, a... Harvest Church is a church that's committed to what? Serving and sharing Jesus Christ. So a big part of our mission in this community is to serve... Christ or serve each other, 
and to share and to give of ourselves. Amen? You know, for years, when we first started, we had government commodities. Remember that in the old church, the old Lutheran church where we were at at 300 South Second, the basement was full of food. And that's before they had a lot of stuff. Well, then when other um, organizations started giving food away, then we quit that. And then we started doing concerts. You know, we were big and one of the first in the community that did concerts. And now other people are doing that. And that's fine. And, uh, but we need to do something. And, and uh, so Harvest Church is a church that's, that's big on serving. And, and we haven't even gotten to the part about giving yet. But if, you, if people ask you, what kind of church do you go to other than a full gospel? We speak in tongues or, you know, we preach the gospel, whatever. We're a church that's about serving. We're a church about sharing. And, and this we find in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Matthew 20 and 28. This is just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So why did Christ come? To serve, not to be served. And to what? Give his life. So right there you have our mission statement. You find it in the scripture. Now look at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Verse 24. I'm sure Jesus, when he heard this, was taken back by the attitude and the heart of the disciples. He says, now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. He's probably thinking, I've been here with these guys, and this is how they're talking. Who's greater? But you know the sad thing is, 2,000 years, we still have people in churches vying for position want to be seen by others. They want their own ministry, and that's not what it's about. Jesus said in verse 25, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who what? Serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So that's the heart and the, the mission and the purpose of, of Christ. And that's the way Harvest Church should be. And that's, that's, that's our mission statement. And that's the attitude of our heart. We're here to serve and to share. So I'm here to serve and to share Christ, bottom line, amen? Now, we said there's some characteristics about a servant, and we've covered a couple of them. The first one is you and I need to serve God with just part of our heart. No, we need whatever we do, we serve God with all of our heart. And then number two we talked about, we need to serve God with a loyal heart, a loyal heart, absolute loyalty. You can't serve the world 
and serve Christ at the same time. There's only one master, and his name's Jesus, okay? We said, how does God view a believer who loses his passion and zeal for the word of God and his spiritual priorities and turns his devotion to other things? In James 4, I'm not going to have you turn there, we find out that that individual is an enemy of God, all right? And what does God do? He resists that individual, amen? Now, let's go on. Look at Romans 12. One more we're going to give you today, just one. Romans chapter 12. So what was the first one? All of our heart and a loyal heart. Here we find our third one in Romans 12 and verse 11. Then I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified also. It says in nine, let, verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Look at verse 11. Not lagging in diligence... Fervent in what? Spirit serving the Lord. The Amplified says it this way. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor be aglow and burning with the Spirit serving the Lord. The Message Bible says don't burn out. Know any Christians or believers that have burned out? Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Now, that Greek word for fervent is Z-E-O, and it means this, living fervor, fiery hot, full of burning zeal. It is the opposite of dignified, cold, and unemotional. <laughs> is that how you feel sometimes on when you're leading worship? Did dignified? <laughs> That's not the way we're supposed to be, folks. We're supposed to be fiery hot. Say fiery hot. Not dignified, cold, and unemotional. Now, Rick Renner says this as he defines the word Z-E-O, the Greek word. <clears throat> it means, originally it means to boil. This is a picture of a person so enthusiastic about his task that he can hardly contain his excitement. Is that how you go to work in the morning? Hardly contain your excitement. Do we all have days? Yeah, we all have days. The desire to do his job with excellence, this is what the Greek means, and enthusiasm is constantly boiling inside the person who's diligent about his assignment. In fact, the Greek tense used here would be better translated, be constantly fervent in spirit. Now listen, this is what I want you to see, because this is where people miss it. The word spirit does not refer to the Holy Spirit but to the attitude of the believer. It means to be constantly fervent in your attitude. <laughs> Anyone here ever have an attitude? You constantly got an attitude. Just look. You want to see your attitude? 
I'll tell you an instance. We'll be going down 81. <coughs> there are them wind turbines. You want to get her attitude? Just point out one of those wind turbines out there in the field. She doesn't like them. How many don't like those wind turbines? They're ugly. And I realize they provide, you know, an income, not much. See, here she is already. I can't take it anymore. I got to go over here because it just reeks of attitude over there. How many of you got something that really bugs you, really bothers you? <clears throat> but this, is, this scripture is referring to not lagging in diligence, fervent in your attitude. So you and I, if you're going to come to Harvest Church and it's all about serving and sharing Christ, then you need to have the right heart's attitude. I have, listen, there's days I pull up, folks, I don't have the right heart's attitude. This preacher's honest. There's some days I don't, I don't feel spiritual. Do you? Maybe it's just me. Amen? So we constantly have to make adjustments in our attitude. Be constantly fervent in your attitude. Now, <clears throat> look at Matthew 21. I thought of this this morning as I was sitting at my desk because this is a good example. and I realize it means more than just an attitude, but I want to read it to you. <clears throat> the right attitude, now I'm going to make this statement, the right attitude is one of the most effective ways for a person to serve the Lord. Do you think you or I, are we really serving the Lord if we have a bad attitude? <clears throat> Here's an example of attitude here in the parable of the two sons, and I realize this refers to the self-righteous Jews and the Gentiles and the sinners. <clears throat> but listen to this. Jesus said, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go out, work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Now, is that an attitude? I will not. But afterward, he regretted it, or he repented and went. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. See, it's an attitude. The, fir the first one said, I'm not going to do it. Do you ever have your kids say, you know, go take the garbage out? Lucas, go do something. I will not. You don't tell Julie that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know your mama. So you've learned. But how many of you tell your kids to go do something? Mike is afraid I'm going to pick on him. Mike is not like that. But then you have the one that 
you know, he says, I'm not going to go. But then he says, all right, I'll go. That's the right attitude, isn't it? Maybe it wasn't right in the beginning, but what, what happened? Something happened in that individual's heart. They began to think about it. You know what? I need to do that. That's the right thing to do. The right attitude is one of the most effective ways for a person to serve the Lord. When a person does his job right and with a great attitude, it is a testimony to the name of Jesus. See, that's what we need to see. Whatever you do at Harvest Church, and granted, it gets old doing some of the th- same things over and over, whether it's cleaning, whether it's working in the nursery, whether it's working in children's church, whether it's being usher, whether you're involved in security. Whatever you're doing, yes, if you're not careful, it just becomes a job and not a ministry anymore. And that's where, you know, I've have to, I have to adjust my heart's attitude as a pastor. Some days I don't feel like coming up and standing here and doing this. Oh, pastor, but you're a pastor. I'm a human being. And what I have to do is give myself a little talk. I'll never forget how old was Edna when we, I don't know what brought this up. She was sick, really sick and dying basically. And we said, are you okay? And she says, I'll be all right. I'll just give myself a little talk. Some of us just need to give ourselves a little talk. Corey, when you're working and it's hot and you're getting tired and you don't want to do it anymore, you got to give yourself a little talk. Maybe some of us need to give ourselves a little talk. In other words, be a self-starter. Just say, talk to God, talk to Father. And I'll tell him, I'll say, Father, I don't feel like doing this. I sat there the other day, and I I said, Lord, I don't feel like reading the Bible today. So don't beat yourself up and think, oh, I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. You were reminded today who you are. You and I just need to make some mental adjustments and some heart adjustments. And what I do, if I I feel like I'm not getting anything out of this, I picked up a book about the last of the last days. And, and started reading it, and, and it's full of in-depth scripture about And so I, I have an assignment every day. I do that. I read the Bible, but do something to change things up. Get yourself out of a spiritual rut. Go outside. Kathy will go outside, sit in a chair and read the Bible. Buy the garden and watch it grow and read the Bible. Find out what, what can bless you and, 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 and just so you can... Continue to change things up and motivate yourself. Amen? You know, we don't have the luxury of having a burning bush. In the Old Testament, Moses had that burning bush. Now, that would get some people's attention maybe. I just don't feel like reading the Bible today. And then all of a sudden, you know, the garbage can starts on fire. Wow. It doesn't happen that way. You and I have a responsibility to give ourselves a little talk. Let me read this. This is <clears throat> a good example. I love Rick Renner. He's, he's 
a Greek scholar, and I had the privilege of meeting him when I went to Latvia. And this is, this is the scripture he's talking about, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now listen to this. I'll never forget the time when, as I met with the head of government in a foreign nation, he looked me straight in the eyes and said, I just don't understand many of the Christians I've met. To me, they seem to be some of the laziest people I've ever known in my life. I'm amazed that anyone would be satisfied to live with such low standards. Is that all the way, is, that the, is this the way all Christians are? I was so embarrassed when I heard those words. I found myself wanting to apologize for the entire Christian community, but the truth is I personally knew some of the Christians he was referring to, and I had thought the very same thing on many occasions. These people didn't seem to have enough gumption to get up and do something with their lives. It wasn't that they weren't talented, gifted, and knowledgeable. They were just satisfied. Now listen, because this is where many Christians are. They were just satisfied with the level they had attained and had no desire to show any professionalism with their lives. Honestly, it's a mystery to me how anyone can claim to be a Christian indwelt by the Spirit of God and yet be satisfied with such a low-level existence. Of course, I'm, I'm aware that many people weren't raised with the same high standard of excellence that my parents taught me. That, that's so true. You know, as mothers and fathers, if we don't put it in our kids, they're going to grow up just like us. Of course, I'm very... He says... Um, Perhaps some Christians grew up in an environment where low-level thinking was viewed as normal. And that's why they've accepted such a low standard for their own lives. However, other low achievers can't claim a mediocre upbringing as an excuse. They just don't take advantage of opportunities to learn, adapt, and better themselves and therefore never experience needed change. This is usually a sign that these people have no inner desire to improve their lives. You may send such individuals to school to educate them. You may even pay for them to fly halfway around the world to learn new and better techniques in their field of expertise. But if they don't possess the inner drive to improve themselves and to become more professional, it doesn't matter how much time or money you throw at them. It's all a waste unless they possess the desire to be diligent. Such low-level standards should never be tolerated by a believer, a pastor, an employer, or an employee. Yet too often, believers make excuses for their slothful attitudes and allow them to continue. As a result, the world frequently looks at the church as a pathetic entity made up of a bunch of nincompoops who aren't serious about what they do or say. Yeah, that is true. I don't want to be a nincompoop. Do you? So, and I'll tell you something. And Brian will agree with me. The older you get, you just don't seem to have that like you were when you're 20 or 25. You still have drive. Don't get me wrong. But I don't care what age you are, 
We have to do something to change things up. We have to do something to motivate ourselves daily, keep our heart's attitude right. You know, what kind of church would you have if you had a church? Maybe we should just call it the first church of nincompoops. Where'd that word come from? I haven't heard that word in a long time. Nincompoop. How'd you like to be known as a nincompoop? You nincompoop. You Stanton people are all nincompoops. That hurt? Larry didn't hear it, so. He was sleeping. So often what people say their problem is really isn't their problem. Their problem is their attitude, which causes them to handle life's obstacles poorly. It all comes down to attitude. I found this. I've given this to you in the past. Listen to this. This is the definition of an attitude. It is the ad advancement of our true selves. Its roots are inward, but its fruit is outward. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. Amen to that. It is more honest and consistent than our words it is an outward look based on a past experience. It is a thing which draws people to us or repels them. How many have ever been repelled by an attitude? That's why I try to stay clear of wind turbines. It is never content. An attitude is never content until it is expressed. It is the librarian of our past. It is the speaker of our present. Present. It is the prophet of our future. It's an attitude. What's your attitude today in serving? If, if you'd say, you know, if you're the kind that, like the, with the parable of the two sons, I'm not going. I don't want to clean the church. It's stupid. It's not dirty. Oh, maybe I should get out there. I, I really need to do that. Well, that's, that's a, I, can, I can tolerate people like that son because I've been that way. I don't want to do it. Let so-and-so do it. It'll get done. And then I'll make a hard adjustment. You know, I've had... Many Sundays where I thought, I'm just going to let Brad preach today. Brad can do it. He needs the experience anyway. That's a good excuse. If you want to know our, when we're going to be moving into our next series, it's on excuses. But I have to constantly make adjustments. We need to serve God with all of our heart. We need to serve God with a loyal heart. We need to be fervent in our heart's attitude. So whatever you're doing today at Harvest Church, even if your attitude sucks, be like that son that repented and say, says, talks to himself and says, oh, well, that's wrong, that's the wrong attitude. Father, forgive me. I'm going to get my attitude adjusted and I'm going to do it. You know, the thing is, they say churches function on basically 
what is it, tw the parable of the soils. 25% in most churches does all the work and contributes the money. I've always had a higher vision than that, believing God. And, and you know what we do? The size of our church, when I look at the amount of people to come for prayer on Wednesday night, that's really above that 25%. Usually when it comes to finances and we have a special thing going on, we far you know, exceed that 25%. So I'm very thankful. But I'm not satisfied because I want to see everybody be blessed. I want to see everybody involved in doing something. I want to see everybody. You know, I believe God, most preachers are satisfied, but I, I'd love to pastor a church. I know it's a dream. That every member tithes. Do you know if everyone in this church would tithe how, what we could do? What we could give, and we give a lot as a church. For the size of our church, we, Mike Keyes is a blessed missionary. But think if everybody's attitude was, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to, Pastor Brad calls and says, we need to do this, we needed somebody to serve here, just do it. Now listen to this, I'll close with this. This is today's devotion, so it's got to be God. It's about double, receiving double. How many of you want to receive double? Brenda gives this, Kuhneman gives this scripture from Isaiah 61, 7. It's a good scripture. It says, for your shame, you shall have double. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. God always gives back to us when we give to him. This becomes even more powerful when we give to God from a place of great sacrifice. Sometimes the sacrifice is being ridiculed by family and friends for what you believe, but God will stand up for you. He won't let you be accused or mistreated for serving Him without bringing a payback blessing into your life, and those blessings come with a double price tag attached to them. Talking about serving, the blessings of serving God. God pays double when we're willing to be shamed for following His ways. God considers your work for His kingdom important. While we do it joyfully with gratitude, God does see how much effort you put into it. Let me say that statement again. God considers your work for His kingdom important. And while we do it joyfully with gratitude, God does see how much effort you put into it. While we don't arrogantly expect payback from God because He's already given us everything, we know God is a giver. He first gave Jesus, and then we gave, give back to Him through our love and heart of unconditional service. For that service, God then gives to us again, and the cycle keeps going. His promise is that you will not suffer shame without possessing a double blessing in your life. So get ready. The double blessing is coming your way. Double blessing comes to people who want to serve. And you know what? I say this sincerely. I am proud to pastor the majority of the people of this congregation are good people, have servants' hearts, are willing to give and to share. Can we do better? Can any of us here do better? Let me, just me. How many of us can do better at serving?
with the right heart's attitude. Let's stand to our feet. There's some days, girl, you don't feel like walking into that hospital room and doing what nurses have to do. Amen? There's some days you're not going to have the right attitude when you're with him every day. Ah, <laughs> uh, just wait till 36 years later. How many of you today, just listening to what I had to say, know that you have to make an adjustment? Just make the adjustment. God, you know what? This will set you free. What your shirt say? Sometimes I color outside the lines. Okay. I, I just was distracted. This will set you free, folks. God loves you and I, you and me, even when our attitudes are bad. That is the God that we serve. Isn't that good to know? You know, your dad still loves you. When your attitude makes my eye twitch like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Lift your hands. Say, Heavenly Father, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And yes, it's a responsibility to serve at Harvest Church. Thank you, Father, for that opportunity to serve Jesus Christ and to serve others. Lord, forgive me for ever having a bad attitude. Help me, Holy Spirit, recognize and discern when my attitude is bad and help me make the necessary adjustments. I want to be used of you, Lord, in these last days to serve Christ, to serve the body of Christ. So thank you, Father. I'll serve you with all my heart. I'll serve you with a loyal heart. And I'll serve you with the right heart's attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, my attitude's better now. I preached my attitude better. How about you? I want to pray. Terry, come here. I'll pray for your arm. Anyone here today, you need prayer for your physical body? That's okay. Infection is what it is, you think? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse that infection in this arm. Lord, healing is Terry's covenant right. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you sent your word this day to heal and to deliver him. You said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. So, Lord, I speak healing anointing, and that healing is in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it, Father, for full recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. That's come up a lot about prostate. I got rebuked last week because I said prostrate. And the two guys behind you 
made fun of me. So we're going to pray for prostate. Amen. Father, we thank you that you love her father. And I rebuke and curse every cancer cell in his body in the name of Jesus. And I loose healing upon him. I bind fear and I loose faith and hope and peace. Father, you're a miracle working God. So thank you, Lord. You're doing a work in his heart and you're doing a work in his physical body in Jesus name. Now, is he born again? Okay, good. That's good. Amen. Yes, ma'am. You're you're here about your marriage. It's your soon coming marriage. You're doubting if you should get married to him, right? No, I'm just I tease her. What? You're back. Standing all day at work or Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Lily's back and I speak healing in the name of Jesus. Command every muscle, tendon, ligament to relax. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for that healing anointing flowing. Jesus name. Amen. So glad I have you guys to keep me, you know. Brian, what would we do without our sons? Probably a lot more, I don't know. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Brian and I, it's the blind leading the blind, right? Well, I'm so glad your attitudes are great now. Just remember that when you wake up tomorrow morning. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.